Good evening. My name is Andre McDaniel, and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of its eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis, and the president is Dr. Yule, Edward Yule. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is a erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in the alphabet that will produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show that to show you that everything on this chart is written 
in uh, excuse me everything on this chart is within the cloud in like manner everything in the universe abides within the purest spirit state of yahweh yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state took on shape and took on form right within himself as elohim this is the word or son a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man but without flesh and blood this form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations later on this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as joshua the messiah whom the world calls jesus christ now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name so the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane a further understanding of this name and title may be had reading the preface of the holy name bible also at this school we teach by the divine pattern of the universe it is called the divine pattern because it is yahweh's pattern after yahweh led the children of israel out of egypt he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objects and aims are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science fifth to expertate uh, expertate current superstition skepticism and ignorance six to learn know and understand the operation of yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages seven to discern and avoid being deceived by lucifer the serpent the devil the dragon or satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth throughout the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among 
man, whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of a mortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace. Our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we will have a prayer by Dr. Gary Gates from the Gates class. Gary Myers. I'm sorry, Gary Myers from the Gates class. That's okay. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> Let us please bow our hearts and minds. <clears throat> Yashua, we thank you once again for bringing us all together in your name. While we're together here, please open up our ears so we can hear um, what you want to edify us with tonight. We ask you to just help us to block out any distractions and that we just pay attention to your words so we can continue to learn know and understand your great purpose and plan. With that, let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next, we will have a scripture read by Dr. Sharon Lewis. Scripture lesson will be 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Our scripture reading lesson for this evening's class is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I will be reading out of the King James Version. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the sons? Do you not know that the saints, rather, shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that ye shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this life, do you set them to judge who are at least esteemed in the assembly? I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud and that your brother. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor self-abusers, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. And such were some of you, 
but now ye are washed, but now ye are sanctified, but now ye are justified in the name of the Savior, Yahshua, and by the spirit of our Elohim. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the belly and the belly for food, but Yahweh shall destroy both. Now the body is not for fornication, but for Yahweh and Yahweh for the body. And Yahweh have both raised up Yahshua and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of the Messiah. Shall I then take the members of the Messiah and make them the members of a harlot? By no means. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto Yahweh is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of Yahweh, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify Yahweh in your body and in your spirit, which are his. I've read 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Myers, for the prayer and Dr. Lewis for the scripture reading. Uh, this is Green Chart Thursdays, and our first speaker will be Dr. Felicia Hamilton. Thank you, everyone, and it's always a pleasure to be here with the sons and to give a testimony to what it is Yahweh has shown us. Um, so it's been a while since we did our, our Green Chart Day, and today we are going to once again go over the uh, booklet that was authored by Dr. Lejeune Gill, which is really a correlation or just an extract from our textbook, Volume 3. So this week, uh, what we're going to go through is um, the section, uh, section B in the book called Your Body is the Temple. And let me uh, share that with you really quickly. And we can have it. And we are gonna have Dr. Dorian Lewis uh, read through it for us. I'm not sure we'll get through the entire thing because this section is a little bit long but we'll have him read through um, sections of it and then I'll stop him to go through in a little bit more detail. So um, if you don't mind, you can go ahead and start reading Dr. Lewis. I have the section on the screen. This is section D and it's on page 19. Your body is the temple. The dictionary refers to the church as a building for public worship, a body of Christian believers having the same creed, rights, etc any body of worshipers. The true meaning of the word church is congregation or assembly. The Christian world believes the church to be a particular building designate, designated on a particular corner or plot of land. This is definitely not confirmed by the scriptures. If one is sincere and, and open-minded, the following pages will find our statement to be true. 
John 4 and 24 states that Yahweh is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, pause right there, doctor. First part of that, it talks about the true definition of the word church, which means assembly. And if you remember when the children of Israel were, um, when Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt through Moses, he called them all around. He told Moses to give them uh, three days to clean up and to present themselves before Yahweh at the base of that mountain. And that's when Yahweh rained down those 10 commandments. And they said, all that Yahweh has said, we will do. And if you take that to the physical, you know, when a man and a woman gets married, the, you know, they say, I do, the, the uh, minister or whoever it is that's marrying them, justice of the peace, will present vows. And then he will ask, do you, you know, such and such take this person to be your lawful wedded wife or husband? And he tells them, you know, do you promise to honor, obey, to, you know, in death do you part? And they say, I do. So that was that, that assembly that was gathered together at the mountain. And that's Yahweh marrying the children of Israel. But this assembly, this was the first assembly or the first church that there was. There was no building. There was no, you know, pastor talking or passing a plate, but this was the first assembly. This is Yahweh speaking to the children of Israel through Moses and through Yahshua or Joshua as they call him. So that is the first assembly. So that's why it says the dictionary refers to it as a building, but it's not. Church really means the etymology of the word church is assembly or gathering. So I just wanted to get um, a little bit of clarity on that and then we'll go back um, and start back where we left off, Dr. Dr. Lewis, go ahead. Okay. First of all, we should, define, we should define what spirit is. It is the source and substance of all things for everything came forth from spirit or Yahweh. Spirit is also the limits and bounds of all things. Everything abides within Yahweh. Mm -hmm. In his letter to the Ephesians, the apostle Paul explains that there is one body, and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Elohim, one faith, one baptism. Okay, you can pause right there. And I'm going to ask for volunteers um, to read these scriptures um, to help participate with this lecture. So if you see, if, if I call out a scripture to have him read one of these, please just go ahead and get it and start reading. So I want you to start that over, Dr. Lewis, because we are going to get a couple of those scriptures. All right. First of all, we should define what spirit really is. It is the source and substance of all things, for everything came forth from spirit or Yahweh. Okay. So Hebrews. One. Hebrews. Mm -hmm. So someone go ahead and get that first scripture for me, please. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. I have Hebrews. Go ahead. Hebrews 1 and 1. Mm -hmm. Elohim, who at sundry times and in various manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he hath ordained the ages, who being the brightness of his glory 
and the exact impress of his substance and of holding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, thank you. And now get um, Dr. McDaniel, if you can get Acts 17, 27 to 28. And then yes, uh, Dr. Decker, Decker, if you can get the Job scripture. Go ahead, Dr. McDaniel. That's Acts 17, 27. That they should seek him, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. That's Job. I'm getting there, Felicia, my, my, okay, here I am. You want Job 12 and 10. Yes, ma'am. Job 12 and 10. In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Okay, so those scriptures where she had reference to speaking to uh, Yahweh and what spirit is, and spirit being the source, substance, and limits and bounds of everything. So we're going to keep going. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis, and continue here. All right. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul explains that there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Elohim, one faith, one baptism. It's Ephesians 4 and 4 through 5. Keep going. Yes, keep going, please. Of the many, many denominations, sects, cults, and creeds that are in the world, each one would have you to believe that his denomination is the one faith that the Apostle Paul is speaking of. Okay, go ahead and get that scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Because you do hear that when you speak to people of various religions, they believe that their religion is the one true religion and everyone else is wrong, but they have no way to prove that. And that's why this school is so important because here, once again, this is a school and not a church. We don't come here to worship. We come here to learn about our heavenly father as he really is and actually exists. So go ahead. This is the apostle Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 14 and 26. First, go ahead. First Corinthians 14 and 26. Mm -hmm. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you have a psalm, have a doctrine, have a tongue, have a revelation, have a, an interpretation. Mm -hmm. Let all things be done unto edifying. Mm -hmm. If any so, man... So. Keep going. Go ahead, Dr. Dr. Nelson. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. Okay, so, you know, here is Paul saying, how is it that, you know, every, you all come, everybody has a different doctrine, pretty much is what he's saying. You know, if you're supposed to be one body or the assembly of the Messiah, why are you all talking about different things or believing in different things? That's not how the Messiah works. The body of Yahshua the Messiah is not disjointed. His body works in harmony with one another. So one prophet is going to speak the same thing the other prophet speaks. As Dr. Kenley said, he's not bringing you anything that Paul didn't say 
or Moses didn't say, or John on the Isle of Patmos didn't say. He All he's doing is confirming. So that's how you know when someone is not speaking and in harmony with Yahweh, Elohim, when they are speaking out of joint with every everything else that's in the law and the prophets and in the fulfillment. Okay, so let's start that uh, paragraph over, Dr. Uh, Dr. Lewis. Of the many, many denominations, sects, cults, and creeds that are in the world, each one would have you to believe that his denomination is the one faith that the Apostle Paul is speaking of. Mm -hmm. It is vitally important for one to see that every denomination cannot be correct, seeing that there is but one faith. Mm -hmm. The real truth of the matter is that Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus, did not join any of the so-called sects, such as the Pharisees or Sadducees. It really shows forth one's ignorance in asking, what faith do you belong to? Mm -hmm. David wrote in the Psalms concerning a building. Except Yahweh built the house, they labor in vain that build it. Psalms 127.1. In other words, it is clearly stated here that your labor or works are for nothing. The reason is stated again by the Apostle Paul in his message on Mars Hill. Mm -hmm. Elohim that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he give to all life and breath and all things. It's so we just... Mm -hmm. So we just spoke about the, the first assembly or church that there was, and that was the children of Israel presenting themselves to Yahweh at Mount Sinai. And here you see, it says Yahweh who made the world or Elohim who made the world and all things therein. Seeing he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. But the Christian world has you believe that the church is the house of God. They will often say that. You'll hear that being said. And if you've ever gone to... Um, a bar mitzvah, uh, and I had a chance, opportunity to go one, they have a little, you know, thing up on the uh, uh, the altar, the, it's supposed to be the tabernacle, I don't, you know, what they put in it, or how they got the Holy Spirit in there, I don't know, or even in the Catholic church, they have a box, and that's supposed to be when the light comes on, the Holy Spirit is in that box, mm. see, but Yahweh says, you know, he, he is the ruler of heaven and earth, how are you going to put him in a box, what house are you going to build for him? This is the ruler of heaven and earth. There is no temple that is made with hands that he dwells in. He dwells in the temple not made with hands. And that's what we're going to go into in this section of this, this, this um, pamphlet. So, okay, go ahead and read, Dr. Lewis. Now, one might think that the Apostle Paul didn't fully understand what he was talking about. However, the prophet Isaiah is quoting what, Yah what saith Yahweh. The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? It's Isaiah 66 and 1. Contrary to man's belief that the church is a physical building, we must again refer to the Apostle Paul's writings to the Corinthians, where he seemed astonished at the fact that they knew nothing of the temple. Paul made this statement. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of Elohim, and ye are not your own? So that's what we're presenting to you today. Sorry, Dr. Lewis. That's what we're presenting to you today, that your body that was not made with hands is where the Holy Spirit dwells. 
your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, not a physical church that someone can walk into and defile and, you know, do all kinds of things. And that's not the temple of Yahweh or the Holy Spirit. It's your body that's the temple. And that's what Saul, the apostle Saul, is saying there. Okay, go ahead and read, Dr. Lewis. Yahshua the Messiah was also trying to get the same message across to the Jews when he told them to destroy the temple, and in three days he would raise it up. They naturally misunderstood him and answered, saying, Forty and six years was this temple in the building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Okay, now I need that scripture read, please. John 2, 1921, Dr. Decker, if you can get that, and then Dr. Nelson, if you could get the next one, Zechariah 12 and 10. Okay, go ahead. Are you there, Dr. Decker? Yes, I didn't have my mute off. I'm sorry. That's okay. Mm -hmm. John 2 and 19. Mm -hmm. Yahshua answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Pause right there, Dr. Decker. So it's, it, this school teaches you how to read all over again. So here you have Yahshua the Messiah talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he's talking about the temple of his body. And he says to them, destroy this temple. Now, anything that's the closest to you is this. Furthest away from you is that. So he was speaking to the temple of his body, not that, that physical building, which would have been, he would have said, destroy that temple and I'll raise it up again. But see, they didn't catch that and neither did we, frankly. It wasn't until we came into the school that we learned the difference between this and that, you know, so-called smart all our lives and didn't know the difference. So here he is saying, destroy this temple. He's speaking of the temple of his body. So. Start that again for me, Dr. Decker. Yes, John 2.19. Joshua mm -hmm. answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in the building, and wilt thou raise it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay, so go ahead and read, Dr. Lewis. The next thing we should want to know is how man's body became the temple of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. The prophet Joel wrote of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Zechariah, the prophet, also wrote of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. Okay, you don't have to get that, um, Dr. Nelson, because it just quoted it there. Okay, mm -hmm. so he's telling them that he's going to pour out, he's going to pour upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. He didn't say he was going to pour it unto um he said into the inhabitants he didn't say into a temple he's going to pour it into a temple or a church and then when you go in there then you'll have the holy spirit that's not what he said 
He said he's going to pour it into the inhabitants. That's physical bodies. That's bodies of men. Okay, keep reading, Dr. Lewis. While the Messiah walked around in a physical body, he was the temple and the Holy Spirit personified. Mm -hmm. He tried to relate to those around him who he was, that he, he and his father were one, mm -hmm. but they could not understand for looking at his flesh, not realizing that he was the creator of all things in that body. Mm -hmm. However, he said unto them, and I will pray the father and he, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Okay, pause right there. So just, and this is just a little sidebar because we were talking about this um, in a Zoom class yesterday, that spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive. And you know that's, true because all you hear now are lies and we're talking present day right now the world does not like the truth the world does not want the truth all the world wants are things that that agrees or confirms their opinions their concepts and the things that they've always believed in it's called confirmation bias so if i believe that the moon is made of blue cheese all I'm going to do is look for information that that confirms my belief. Right. I don't care if you bring me information or proof that it's not. I'm going to only accept and look for information that proves that I'm right. You mm -hmm. had that with this whole, you know, with the pandemic and the vaccine. People don't care about the truth. They only want, they will only hear or only look for information that confirms what they believe. I believe the vaccine is the satanic spirit, then that's all I'm gonna look for. I'm gonna go on the internet, I'm gonna find information that proves that I am right. Not, not bearing the fact that I can go out, I can create a whole website, I can put all kind of information on that website and all of it's false. But if you don't know how to do research and you don't know how to to um, uh, clear all the noise and get to the truth, then you'll believe that. But that's the confirmation bias, that you'll only look for the things that confirm your opinion. You have no interest in what the truth is. You only want to be right. And that's what the world is dealing with now. And you, know, you have that over there with Russia, with Putin. All he's doing is every outlet, every news outlet that's, that presents anything that opposes what he believes or his opinion, they're shut off. Confirmation bias. I only want to present to you my what's confirming my concepts and opinions so that I can say that they're true. So here you have, he said, I will pray to Father, he shall give you another comforter. And it says, uh, no, that's not what I want where it says, um, spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. Yes, which the world cannot receive. So that's not what the world wants. The world doesn't want the truth. And you, you can find that even in your own life. If, you, if you've done something all your life, if you've believed something all your life, and I came to you and presented you with proven evidence that that's wrong, your first instinct is to say, no, it's not. That's a lie. Where'd you get that information from? That's, that's how we are as men. We, we don't want to hear anything that's in opposition to what we think and believe. But what Yahweh does, he gave us the spirit of truth 
So as a son, what we do and what we teach in this class is to say, okay, huh, maybe that's right. And you know, you may still get offended, but inside you go, okay, let me go check that out. We were just talking about that, you know, let's, let's go check that out. Cause uh, Dr. Myers presented us a fact about um, one of the dictators that was killed uh, years ago. And I said, okay. And a few of us said, okay, we got to check that out. Cause we've never heard that. Now it wasn't an instant. No, that's not right, Gary. No, don't want to hear it. That's wrong. It was, oh, I never heard it. Let me check it out. That's what the spirit of truth does for you. The spirit of truth allows you to hear the information, take it in, research it, and then Yahweh will confirm with you if it's true or not, because Yahweh will give you witnesses. See, this is what this school does. That's what this school is about. We're presenting witnesses to you, and it's up to you, the student, because it is a school, it's up to you, the student, to go out and do your research and confirm that information, because even Dr. Kenley himself said, I don't appreciate you just agreeing with me just because I said something. So this is a school, it's not a church. That's what we're down here for, is to learn the truth. So I need you to start right at, um, oh, just start that over, Dr. Lewis, I'm sorry. Yep. Okay, I will, all right. While uh, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. All right. While the Messiah walked around in the physical body, he was the temple and the Holy Spirit personified. He tried to relate to those around them, around him who he was, that he and his father were one but they could not understand for looking at his flesh, not realizing that he was the creator of all things in that body. However, he said unto them, and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. But the comforter, he further states, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Mm -hmm. We are still trying to show how man is the temple of Yahweh. As previously stated, the prophets Joel, the prophets Joel and Zechariah spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit into man. For as long as Yahshua the Messiah was in the physical body, he was the Holy Spirit or, ho excuse me, or Holy Ghost or Comforter. Mm -hmm. The Father would send the Comforter after his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the outpouring of his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, while they were all with one accord in one place, suddenly there was a sound, excuse me, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and rested upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts so 2. if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then that can't mean that the church is the house of God. See, it was individuals that were filled with the Holy Spirit, not a physical place. Right. Okay, keep reading. Yahweh spake unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith Yahweh, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. 
2 Samuel 7, 4 through 6. The Apostle Paul spake of, spoke of the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness in Acts 7 and 44. As he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. See Exodus 25 and 40 and Hebrews 8 and 5. Let's get those scriptures. Let's okay. get those scriptures. Dr. Uh, Nelson, if you could get Exodus 25, 40, and Dr. Decker, if you could get Hebrews 8 and 5. Mm -hmm. oh, that okay. is Exodus. That's, you want Exodus first? Yes, yes, please. That's Exodus 25 and 40. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. And look that thou make them after their pattern which was shown thee in the mount. Mm -hmm. And we know what that pattern is. And let me switch my screen really quickly. This was the pattern that Yahweh is talking about. This pattern here, but there, here is Moses on top of Mount Sinai. Remember, Yahweh just had his body laid down and he took him up into the spirit. Mm -hmm. And he showed him a vision of that tabernacle pattern. That he first showed him Yahweh Elohim in superincorporeal form. Then Yahweh Elohim transformed into a fully furnished tabernacle pattern. And then he transformed back into Elohim and then to the seven days of creation. But here, this is where Yahweh showed him that tabernacle pattern that he told him to build in the wilderness. Okay, Dr. Decker, if you could get Hebrews 8 and 5. Hebrews 8 and 5. <clears throat> Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. Mm -hmm. As Moses was admonished to Elohim when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern, show to thee in the mount. Mm -hmm. So Hebrews 8 and 5 is just a confirmation of Exodus 24 and 50, that Yahweh told Moses to make this tabernacle pattern according to the way he saw it in the, in the mount, in the vision in the mount. Now, Yahweh didn't just leave it up to Moses and the man that Moses talked to to build it. And it says, and I don't know, Dr. Nelson, if you could find that where Yahweh put his spirit in them so that they can do the work of this tabernacle to build this tabernacle the right way. Because you know, if you tell someone to do something and you give them detailed instructions, unless it's written down somewhere in detail, somebody's gonna miss something or someone's gonna interpret it the way they want. Well, Moses, I don't think the gate should be that big. I think it should be smaller and the door to the holy place should be bigger. See, but that's not what Yahweh did. What Yahweh did was put his spirit in them so that they, without error, were able to build this tabernacle. And if you have that, Dr. Nelson, I don't know if you were able to find mm -hmm. it. Um, if not, it's okay. Looking for that. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to have her find that, but um, then I'm going to go back to... Um, have Dr. Dorian Lewis read the next section. Go back to that. All right. Okay. And Yahweh said unto Moses, mm -hmm. speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And As Dr. Nelson, when you find that, I'm sorry, Dr. Lewis, well, Dr. Nelson, when you find that, go ahead and, and let me know. We'll stop. Okay. As previously stated, Yahweh himself did dwell in a physical tabernacle, mm -hmm. but makes the statement himself that he no longer dwells in a physical house. Mm -hmm. For he is the true temple, Revelations 21 and 22, 
and man is made in his likeness and image, Genesis 1 and 26. We then must have physical proof that man is made in his image and in his likeness and image. In other words, if you want to know what the creator looks like, just look at yourself. For this is what the apostle Paul is speaking of in Romans 1, 19 through 20, stating that it takes the natural or physical things to see and understand the heavenly or spiritual things of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So now what uh, that whole discourse before that was to bring you up to show you how that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. not the church on the corner, not the synagogue, not the hall, not, not, you know, none of that. Your body is the literal temple where the Holy Spirit resides in. Right. Okay. I have that scripture. Okay, go ahead, doctor. Yes, please. That's Exodus 34 and uh, 31 and 1. Mm-hmm. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Belzaleah, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Mm-hmm. 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 So, so, de- mm-hmm. Go ahead. To devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, Mm -hmm. and in cutting of the stones to set them, and in carving of the timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. Mm -hmm. So this is Yahweh telling Moses, okay, I I know I told you, Moses, to build this tabernacle pattern exactly like you saw it in the mount, but don't worry, because remember, Moses stuttered. So can you imagine him trying to give these detailed directions and mm-hmm. building specifications to people they would probably just lose their mind well okay but what Yahweh did Yahweh being an also Elohim and knowing all he put his spirit which she said he filled he filled with his spirit um holy I've always get their names mixed up so that they could build it once Moses told them they knew exactly what he was talking about because Yahweh put his spirit in them now they can go about building this tabernacle and he did that for everyone that built it so that they could build it without error because it was a pattern of heavenly things so your creator that's why we say Yahweh is doing everything he doesn't leave anything up to us because we will put our little concepts and opinions in and well I don't think it should be this way you know think of Noah's Ark I would have put more than one window in there I know I would have I would have put more one more than one door in there. I love light. Why am I, why would I only have one window? But it's not me. It's Yahweh's purpose and Yahweh's plan. So he has to fill them with his spirit so they could build that temple. I'm sorry, that tabernacle without error. That's right. Okay, so um go ahead, Dr. Lewis. We're gonna uh yeah, we were talking about that temple. Okay. So now here we are. Now we're gonna talk about and show how your body is the literal temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Uh, Lewis. In referring to the conversation between Yahshua the Messiah and Peter, the Messiah said unto Peter, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my assembly. Okay, pause. <laughs> Once again, we're doing we're this, this, and this, this, and that. So here's Yahshua talking to Peter, who the Catholic Church says that their church is built on because they say that the Messiah told Peter the church is going to be built on him. That's not what the Messiah said. The Messiah and Peter are talking. The Messiah says, upon this, I'm talking about myself and I'm hitting myself in the chest because I'm talking about this. He didn't say that, you, Peter. 
I will build my assembly on you. He said this, he's pointing to himself. Once again, we didn't know the difference between this and that. And millions upon millions of people believed that Peter was mm. the rock that Yahshua was talking about. And he That's was right. not. That's so right. go ahead, uh, continue, Dr. Dr. Nelson, uh, Dr. Lewis, and we're getting everybody mixed up. Go ahead. This is symbolized at the portion on each side of one's head called the temple, mm -hmm. which is a very delicate and sensitive area. The temple covers the temporal bone, which helps to form the skull. Mm -hmm. This bone is threefold in its makeup, showing the threefold supernal nature of Yahweh, or the Godhead. One portion of this bone is called the petrus, which means rock, mm -hmm. and is also pyramid shaped. This then depicts the temple built upon the rock. Okay, so let's pause right there. So Dr. Uh, Lewis, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to my little PowerPoint, and then I want you to read that again, because I want to show an actual picture of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead again, doctor. So here you have a picture of a skull, a 3D image kind of like a CAT scan of a human skull and this portion is red, that's your temple. Go mm -hmm. ahead, Dr. Dr. Lewis. This is symbolized at the portion on each side of one's head called the temple, mm -hmm. which is a very delicate and sensitive area. Mm -hmm. The temple covers the temporal bone, which helps to form the skull. Mm -hmm. This bone is threefold in its makeup, showing the threefold supernal nature of Yahweh or the Godhead. One portion of this bone is called the petrus, which means rock and is also pyramid shaped. Mm -hmm. This then depicts the temple built upon the rock. So here you have the petrus portion of the temporal bone and that's pointing to it right there. It says it forms the part of the cranial floor. So this is the bottom of your skull here. You know, it's cut open from the top and you're looking down. So that's the top of your skull. So that it forms, it helps form that cranial floor. So here are your temporal bones here. And this is that petrous portion of the temporal bone. That means, what did it mean again, Dr. Lewis? This portion. Are you there, Dr. Lewis? I'm sorry, I was muted. That's all. Awesome. Uh, Go ahead. One portion of this bone is called petros, which means rock. So and this awesome. portion means rock. So mm -hmm. what did Yahshua say? He says, upon this rock. Right. So he was talking about himself. I will build my temple. But he's also, remember, talking about you. So you are what he's building his temple on. Because remember, we all make up members of the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. So we all collectively form that assembly or that church that Yahshua, the Messiah, is talking about. So let me, uh, let me bring this down a little bit. So here you'll see here, cause it says, and Dr. Uh, Lewis keep reading cause it talks about it being pyramid shape. I need that part mm -hmm. of it. One portion of this bone is called petros, which means rock and is also pyramid shaped. So this see here, you can kind of see it, see that where it's like, this is the bottom of the pyramid and you go up, there's a triangle mm -hmm. and that's the top. So mm -hmm. here's a pyramid. It's almost like a pyramid laying on its side. They have it kind of detailed here in this diagram. So go ahead, read that again, Dr. Lewis. Mm -hmm. This then depicts the temple built upon the rock. Mm -hmm. So here's, it's so pretty. Yahweh is tight. He didn't miss a beat. That's how you know there is a creator because there is no way man would have put this little portion in with the Bible. There's, there's no way they could have put that together. It had to be. 
by Yahweh and Yahweh had to reveal this to us. There's no way we could have put it together ourselves. Okay, so let me go back to um, that portion you're reading at. Okay, so where are we at now, doctor? Okay, so you- Also represented. Okay, all right, go ahead. Right. Also represented, see, see the illustration on the next page. Also, rep excuse me, also represented are the two divinely given structures from Yahweh Elohim. Mm -hmm. One, the tabernacle, which Moses pitched in the wilderness of Sinai, mm -hmm. and two, the temple of Solomon in Canaan land. The tabernacle, after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, was fin finally placed on Mount Zion. Solomon's temple, built according to, specific built according to specifications, passed from Yahweh Elohim through David to Solomon was located on nearby Mount Moriah. In this illustration, the temples on each side of the head covering the Petrus rock portion of the temporal bone depict the two structures of worship for which Yahweh Elohim gave instructions to build. Okay, so pause right there, Dr. Lewis, because I'm going to go to our chart so that I'm going to have you read that over. So here, I'm going to see if I can it's a little bigger so mm -hmm. go ahead and start that portion over because what we're talking about now he's talking about those two structures that Yahweh gave uh instruction for them to build mm -hmm. so go ahead for me Dr. Lewis. All right. also represented are the two divinely given structures from Yahweh Elohim mm -hmm. one the tabernacle which Moses pitched in the wilderness of Sinai and two the temple of Solomon in Canaan land the tabernacle, after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, was finally placed on Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. Solomon's temple, built according to specifications passed from Yahweh Elohim through David to Solomon, was located on nearby Mount Moriah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. You want me to read the illustration part again? Uh, yes, please. Right. In this illustration, the temples on each side of the head covering the Petrus rock portion of the temporal bone depict the two structures of worship for which Yahweh Elohim gave instructions to build. Mm -hmm. So remember in that illustration where he was reading, you had a man with his head up and this pointing to the two temples on either side. Mm -hmm. So that's, if you look at it, that would be the tabernacle pattern and then uh, uh, Solomon's temple on either side. So this is showing you just a physical representation of that Holy Spirit and where it's dwelling, which is the temple of man, not in physical buildings. Mm -hmm. So now let's get, um, let me stop this annotation so it doesn't go anywhere else. Because Okay, so now we're going to do share. We're going to go back to the, um, the pamphlet, Dr. Lewis, All right. Right, start there. Yahshua the Messiah spake in John 4 and 23 and 24, saying, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Mm -hmm. Elohim is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm, I think you read that wrong, Dr. Lewis. I think you skipped something. It's, it, it doesn't say must. It says they, they have a choice in it right uh, nope not my book i'm sorry dr dr nelson can you get that scripture for me because i really do think dr dr Bruce read that wrong if you could read that for me please okay he... mm -hmm. okay that is john 4 and 24 mm -hmm. for yahweh is spirit 
and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, so it's not a choice. Okay, I'm no. sorry, Dr. Lewis, you did read that correctly. <laughs> so we don't have a choice in this. Yahweh is telling us, you know how people say you go to the church of your choice, you worship God the way you want to, and I worship him the way right. I want to, and we all meet. That's not what Yahweh said. That's right. You know, and you can't find that in the scriptures. Yahweh said you must worship him in spirit and in truth. Once again, this is a school, not a church. We, we come down here to learn how to do that. So go ahead and, and read on to the next section, Dr. Lewis. The two hemispheres of the brain are divided by a central white commissure called the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. And at its anterior end is the genu, pronounced knee, mm -hmm. which means, excuse me, which bends upon the anterior end of the septum pellucidum. Mm -hmm. The inferior limb of the genu tapers at the rostrum, meaning pulpit or platform. Yahweh Elohim is not worshipped by any physical means or by men's hands. You must bow to the Father in your heart or mind, not with the physical knee upon a rostrum in a building. This is definite proof that we must worship the Father without hands. We worship him in our hearts and in our minds. Okay, so now I'm going to have you read that again, but I want to go back to my little PowerPoint, which we mm -hmm. have a better picture of that. So, okay, slide. Okay, go ahead and read that again for me, Dr. Lewis. So here, once again, this is just showing you what we're talking about, this part in your brain that he's reading about. So go ahead and start that over, Dr. Lewis. The two hemispheres of the brain are divided by a central white commissure called the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. And at its anterior end is the genu, mm -hmm. pronounced knee. That's which bends here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so that that's what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I think that should be meaning me, not pronounced. Right, me. right, yeah. right. So which, what he's speaking of, this portion here, that's why you see the arrow pointing to that. This portion here is the same here. You just have a different view. This is a view from front to back. This is on the side. So you can see the actual bend there. Okay, mm -hmm. go ahead, Dr. Lewis. All right. At his anterior end is the genu. Mm -hmm. meaning knee, which bends upon the anterior end of the septum pellucidum. Mm -hmm. The inferior limb of the genu tapers at the rostrum, mm -hmm. meaning pulpit or platform. Mm -hmm. So this is so pretty. So you have men in a church standing up in front of people, telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing and what God told him to tell them to do. Because what he's doing, remember, we have a satanic spirit or a spirit of iniquity that's an operation here in the world. What he wants to do, and he said it, Dr. Decker, I need you to find that for me. I will be like the most high, you know, when he's talking to the king of Tarshish. So what that minister, that, that rabbi or whoever it is standing up in that pulpit telling you what thus saith God or Yahweh. They are making themselves to be Yahweh because it just, Dr. Lewis just read here. Read that again, Dr. Lewis. Start from the beginning? Yes. All right. The two hemispheres of the brain are divided by a central white commissure called the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. At its anterior end is the genu, meaning knee, which bends upon the anterior end of the septum, excuse me, pellucidum. Mm -hmm. 
the inferior limb of the genu tapers at the rostrum, meaning pulpit or platform. So this here means pulpit or platform. Mm -hmm. Who is here? Who is in your brain mm -hmm. telling you what's right and wrong? That's Yahweh. Mm -hmm. But see, the satanic spirit wants to, because he still sees things in the physical, he wants to portray that in a physical stance and stand in a pulpit in a church, looking all suave and there and there trying to tell you what you did, should and shouldn't do. But that's not where Yahweh dwells. Yahweh dwells here. This is his pulpit, not a physical building. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Dr. Decker, do you have that scripture? I have it. Okay, I, Isaiah 14 and 14. Mm -hmm. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Mm -hmm. I will be like the most high. So if this is Satan, this is the king of Tarshish, which was embodied, which Satan was embodied in. If he's saying he will ascend above the heights of the clouds, remember, we likened your brain into a cloud. And I, I had a chance to actually see, you know, a human brain when I did my little stint at the Wayne County morgue. You actually see it. Now, if that brain fell out of that person's head, it'd just be, you know, just like a little mess. But this looks like a cloud. So here you have Satan saying, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. What he wants to do is place himself above not only you, but above Yahweh. That's right. who he's trying to be. So when you have those ministers, don't aren't they always that pulpit is higher than most of the people? Now you do have, you know, these mega churches like Joel Stein's church where you know, the place is so freaking big. It's like a stadium where he's sitting down. But their, even their attitude, I'm better, I'm higher than you. That's the whole MO or the whole um, uh, attitude of the satanic spirit is to be better than. I always want to be better than. That's his MO. But Yahweh is saying this is where he dwells. This is his pulpit. And you know it's his pulpit because when you go to do something, you always, what is your first thought? Your first thought is always, don't do that. And you know why it's always your first thought? Because it can't be, go ahead and do it. That can't be the first thought because Satan always has to oppose. So if Yahweh tells you to do something, Satan always has to come in behind that and say, it's okay. So that first thought is Yahweh say, don't do that. And Satan goes, ah, it's all right. See, he always has to have, he always has to be in opposition to Yahweh. Or if Yahweh say, go ahead, it's okay to do that. Say, like, eh, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Always in opposition, always that 180 with Yahweh. So that's how we know it's the things that are going on are here. They're in your temple. They're in your heart and mind. These, this is where Yahweh's dwelling and where he's dealing with you at, not with the preacher at the church. It's just not that way. I know so many people want to hold on to that, but that's not where Yahweh's dwelling. Okay, so now we're going to go back to the pamphlet, uh, Dr. Lewis. Yahweh Elohim is not worshipped by any physical means or by men's hands. I'm sorry, what page are you on, Dr. Lewis? Let me make sure. We are on uh, page 23. Okay, yeah. there he goes. Yep. Okay, go ahead. All right. Yahweh Elohim is not worshipped by any physical means or by men's hands. You must bow to the Father in your heart or mind. So remember that genu, that bowing, that knee that's bowing, that's mm -hmm. the bowing, that's mm -hmm. the physical manifestation, but the spiritual manifestation is, hey, you know your heavenly father's name is Yahweh and he's not worshipped in a church or any of that. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's your bowing. 
you're 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 giving credence to the truth you're saying okay i okay i believe that you've proven it to me i believe that that's a spiritual bowing to the truth now not bowing to the truth is you know what it don't matter so what i call it whatever i want i've got many blessings in that name that's not bowing to the truth Go ahead, uh, Dr. Lewis, start that over. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt on that part. Yahweh Elohim is not worshipped by any physical means mm -hmm. or by men's hands. Mm -hmm. You must bow to the Father in your heart or mind, not with the physical knee upon a rostrum in the building. Mm -hmm. This is definite proof that we must worship the Father without hands. We worship him in our hearts and in our minds. That's right. Okay. On the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16th chapter, Aaron, the high priest, took the blood of the sacrificial lamb into the most holy place and sprinkled it seven times upon the mercy seat for an atonement for Israel, mm -hmm. for himself, and for the tabernacle. This event took place once every year. Mm -hmm. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for man in things pertaining to Yahweh Elohim, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of Yahweh Elohim, as was Aaron. Okay, pause right there. So now what I, I want to go back to uh, the tabernacle pattern because he just talked about, and I'm going to have you read that again, Dr. Lewis. He talked about the operation of this priest in this tabernacle pattern. And he talked about how he had to also offer sacrifice for his own sins. Now, you rarely see a minister or whoever it is that's telling you what you've done wrong offer up into the congregation the sins that they've done or the sins that they continue to do. Now, I remember, and I'm just aging myself, I remember when Jimmy swaggered, some stuff came out about him and, you know, he was on TV crying, saying, please forgive me. And, uh, you know, that, that was his way of trying to say, hey, I'm a sinner, but it's okay. Just forgive me for what I've done. That, that wasn't truthful. He wasn't sorry for what he did. He was sorry he got caught. But see, what Yahweh is telling you here is he said this priest had to offer sacrifices for himself. So when this high priest will offer those sacrifices in, in this temple, there was one day a year, and that was the Day of Atonement, where he had to go through and do this routine three times. He first, the first thing he had to do was offer the sins for himself. Why? Because he was sinful as well. However, because he's representing the Holy Spirit, those sins had to be taken off of him by him offering, you know, the, the sins for himself first. Now he can go through and offer the sins, sacrifices for the sins of the people. Then after that, he goes through and offers the sacrifice for the sins of the, I'm sorry, not the sins of the tabernacle, for the cleansing of the tabernacle. So it's often said, we used to say it all the time in class. You, you'd be right. You First of all, you'd be honest with yourself. That's the high priest being honest with himself that he has sins just like the people did. So he's going through, he's offering that sin sacrifice for himself first. So he's honest with himself. Then you be honest with your brethren. That's him offering that sin for the sacrifice of the people. 
then you be honest with Yahweh. That's the cleansing of the sanctuary. When you're honest with yourself first, then you can be honest with the brethren, then you can be honest with Yahweh. Because guess what? Yahweh don't need you to be honest with him. He already know what you're doing, what you don't do. But it's for you to admit or to bow at that knee that we just saw up here to bow before Yahweh to say, I was wrong. You did mm -hmm. these things for me. You fulfilled these things. I no longer have to do them. I'm not righteous. I'm not better than. I need you, Yahshua. That's what the, the cleansing, I'm sorry, the, the high priest offering for himself first does. It brings him to a point where he can be honest with the brethren, then to be honest with Yahweh, because you have to first be honest with yourself. And believe me, that's hard to do sometimes because you don't want to admit that you were wrong with something. But Yahweh being who he is, if he gives you that spirit of truth and of love, he will allow you to do that within yourself. It's not even something you have to admit to anyone else. So go ahead and read that portion for me over again, Dr. Lewis, because I want to show that that on this uh, tabernacle pattern chart. Mm -hmm. On the Day of Start. Atonement, mm -hmm. Leviticus 16th chapter, mm -hmm. Aaron, the high priest, took mm -hmm. the blood of the sacrificial lamb into the most holy place mm -hmm. and sprinkled it seven times upon the mercy seat for an atonement for Israel. Now, why Israel. seven times? You see, this tabernacle has steps in it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, in div seven means perfection. Seven is complete. Anything that's seven usually means that's a, a complete end of something. So we have, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody else looking forward to the end of the week. The seven days of the week, that's a week. That completes that week. You have seven days. You have a week of days. You have a week of months. You have a week of years. You have a week of millennia. Seven is complete to Yahweh. That's divine with Yahweh. That means it's done. It's finished. That's why that seven is in the most holy place, because all the steps in this tabernacle that this high priest had to perform, the seventh step was the last step. And when he did that last step for that last time for the cleansing of the sanctuary and that Shekinah flash, then they knew their sins were forgiven for that whole year. That was complete. See, that, that brings that completeness. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Keep reading for himself and for the tabernacle mm -hmm. this event took place once every year mm -hmm. this is quoting hebrews the fifth chapter verses one through four mm -hmm. for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for man in things pertaining to yahweh elohim mm -hmm. that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. So it's, it's saying that, you know, it said for every high priest is taken among men is ordained by Yahweh. So Yahweh ordained Aaron, not that Aaron wasn't without fault because it just said he has infirmity as well. Mm -hmm. But Yahweh did this for a reason because remember that high priest is a type and a shadow of the true high priest, which is Yahshua the Messiah, who has no infirmity, who has no sin. So that's why it's saying that. Okay. And so start back where it says, and by reason thereof. And by reason hereof, he ought, mm -hmm. as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of Yahweh Elohim, as was Aaron. As was Aaron. See, you can't take that honor upon yourself, unlike these people out in the world. And I think it's been said many times, the quickest way to get rich is to start a church. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they, they want to, you know, take it upon themselves. I had a, you know, God called me. No, no, trust me. That wasn't Yahweh that called you. Mm-hmm. See, they taking it upon themselves that they are the high priest or they are the one that's going to, that's not what Yahweh did. Yahweh ordained people. Those are not ordained. They, they like to think they are, but they're not. So go ahead and keep reading Dr. Lewis for Aaron was. For Aaron was a figure of the true high priest. That's right. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Yahshua, the son of Yahweh, mm-hmm. let us hold fast our profession of our faith without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Mm-hmm. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So as we see this day coming and we see, we know Matthew's 24 chapters, the theme song of the school talks about wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, pandemics, all that stuff we're seeing now. It said, as you see the day approaching, you be there for one another. You, you know, you profess to one another without wavering, hold fast to this profession because this thing is going to get worse. Don't, don't uh, forsake to assemble yourselves together. Why? Because when the sons are together, so is the spirit of Yahweh. When you, when you commune with a brethren, you'll notice this. When you've had just a rough day and you commune with a brethren, there is something that happens there. There is, there is a feeling that you get that, oh, wow, this is just Nothing else compares to, I can't even put words to it. And you've experienced this. If you've ever gone to an event or you've ever been in a class where you're sitting there and you guys are just talking and the next thing you know, it's dark outside. You have been lifted up into the spirit where all time has ceased and Yahweh has allowed you to be in heavenly places. That feeling is so palpable and so real. For me, it's like a drug. I just want more and more of it. And it's not like a drug that you have on earth where the high wears off and you got to get it again, or you trying to chase that first high because the first one apparently is the best one. This one, the high gets better and better every time. I mean, every single time when the sons gather together and you hear that spirit of Yahweh talking, it just does something to you. It's nothing like it. So that's why it says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Because when we do that, it's the Holy Spirit in you just like he was in that tabernacle that fills you all and you're just placed in a heavenly place. It is just so pretty. It's just, it's, it's hard to even put into words. Okay, keep reading, uh, Dr. Lewis. I think, I think that, oh, wow, we yeah, actually finished. <laughs> I didn't think we'd be able to finish that. So I actually want to go back to um, that PowerPoint just to, just to share a couple more things. So in here, you'll see... <clears throat> This is um, taken out of our, our textbook, I believe. And we have in it, it shows you, you know, the numbers of the correlation of how everything in this tabernacle relates to everything in the man's physical body. Now, I'm not going to go through that. We can do that in another class. But it's just to show you that your temple actually is the spirit, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because every single thing in your body can be correlated to everything in this tabernacle pattern. Mm-hmm. Even things that are not numbered, they can correlate to this tabernacle pattern. So your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, not 
the church because you can't correlate things in that church with this tabernacle. Well, you know, me and my church, we do, you know, we make sure we do the Passover. Um, you know, if you don't have this altar of sin sacrifice, you're not doing it right. If you're not cutting up and killing uh, innocent animals to atone for your sins, you're not doing it right. If that high priest is not being anointed with holy anointing oil from his head down to his toes, you're not doing it right. You don't have that altar of that labor of washing, that big labor of washing, where you wash the sacrifice and the priest also washes hands and feet. You're not doing it right. So it's nothing, it has nothing to do with this physical. It's all about these things were a shadow, a type and shadow of the spiritual. And that's what it's pointing out. And that's why Yahweh said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that Yahshua the Messiah has fulfilled everything that Yahweh gave him to do, now his spirit lives in us. So because his spirit now lives in us, now he dwells in us. Now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when I walk into that church, Yahweh walking in there with me. When I walk out of that church, Yahweh walking out with me. So it's not that I'm walking into God's house. Yahweh Elohim or God himself is in me walking into that building. So it's so pretty when Yahweh allows you to understand that it's you that he's dealing with on a personal level then you have no need to go to a rabbi, a sensei, or anybody else to so-called confess your faults. Because if you know, like I know, I'm harder on myself than anyone else. Guilt can uh, do a number on me to a point where I feel like I'm going to pass out. That's what guilt does. So that just shows you that you don't need a man telling you what's right and wrong. You know what's right and wrong, right within yourself. And that's what Yahweh wants you to know. He wants you to know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you've done something wrong, you say within yourself, Yahweh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That's the high priest that is talking to you inside in within you. Remember that knee? We showed you that, that, uh, that genuine, that knee. That's where he's dwelling, not physically so, but just, you know, figuratively speaking, he's there. He has a pulpit and it's right within you. So that's who you go to, to, to comfort you, to talk to, to help you. Now we come together. I may go to Nitra about something. I may say, Nitra, you know, I'm dealing with this and it's so hard. And what does she usually do? Girl, you need to talk to Yash. And that's what a high priest does. A high priest tells you to go to the father. Now, she'll, she may give me advice on something or how to do it. But ultimately, every single time she tells me, you need to talk to Yashua. You need to talk to Yashua about that. You need to talk to Yashua. You know, sometimes I, I'm like, you know what? I know that. I know that. But see, I need to hear that apparently, you know, because I keep going to her. I need to hear that. So we as sons of Yahweh and children of the Most High Elohim, that's what we've been charged with. It is our responsibility and our duty to preach this gospel as it was given to us. None of us paid for this. None of us did anything special that allowed us to be here. None of us did are going to do anything special that allow us to remain here. It's only through the grace and mercy of Yahshua the Messiah that he allowed us to stay. So it's our indispensable duty to preach this gospel as it was given to us. Don't put anything in it. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Preach as it was given so that Yahweh may then edify someone else. 
Because remember, if the sons are trying to preach this thing out, as it said in the scriptures, and it's sons, it's not saints. There are no saints. These are sons. If we're to preach this thing out, then we have to give it to all freely. And that's what these classes are for. So I hope that um, something was said that was edifying to the body. Um, I'm gonna leave um, some time for questions if anyone had any questions. Um, if not, I'll go ahead and call on the next speaker. So there, are there any questions or comments or corrections? I will say that I always like to say that any corrections because I may have misstated something. Can we back up to the, um, the temples? When you were talking about the witnesses mm -hmm. to the temple and the tabernacle. Yeah, so that's, let me go to that and then I'll have Dr. Lewis read it for me. I really appreciate you reading, Dr. Lewis. Okay, so here we go. Is there a particular portion you want read, Dr. Meyer? Um, no, that's fine. I, I can just read it. In this illustration, the temples on each side of the head covering the petros, or meaning rock, mm -hmm. portion of the temporal bone depict the two structures of worship for which Yahweh Elohim gave instructions to build. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my question was really um, where the two temples were exactly. Uh, I see um, I see that in the, in the illustration. Mm -hmm. And I think in your PowerPoint, it was illustrated from top to bottom. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me I think that's probably why I got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was a different, problem. different perspective on the two. Right, oh. right. It's just the way you're looking at it. So you're looking at it oh, from okay. a side view, right? right? And but when remember, so that that illustration you saw with the man in that in the book, he was looking up. So just look at this skull looking up. These are still going to be mm -hmm. on the side. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that represents you know the the tabernacle on Mount Zion and Solomon's temple on uh, Mount Moriah. Yes, very good. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the question. Any other questions? No, one oh, Lawanda Decker raised her hand. Dr. Decker, go ahead. I just wanted to make a comment that mm -hmm. you have to be careful about when you're getting hit in your head, getting hit on those temples. That's a very um, sensitive part if you're hit on those temples that could be life-threatening mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes. that's right and I think it says that if Dr. Lewis if you could find that in there um I think it says about that being a uh, really sensitive yeah. part of the yep. head that is up give me one second I'm sorry uh okay hold on let me find it that's okay uh just all right here we are Right, that's by the uh, picture of the skull. Mm -hmm. This is symbolized at the portion on each side of one's head called the temple, which is a very delicate and sensitive area. The temple covers the temporal bone, which was, helps to form the skull. And it just goes on to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. So it's very sensitive. You're right, Dr. Decker. Thank you. Any other questions? Felicia. Yes, yes, Pedro. Uh, Dr. Mingus. I'm old school. But I'm not mm -hmm. that old that I that I can remember back when uh, when uh, they uh, mentioned uh, the tabernacle was the tabernacle was retired or I think mm -hmm. 
the way they put it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and read that, Dorian, if you, you know what he's talking about. What well, was it? But I want to know was was the was the temple was the tabernacle was retired, but as soon as it was retired, did they have the temple ready? Or, or was yeah, yeah so remember and if someone else wants to chime in please do they took all the instruments you know that were in the the tabernacle and placed them in solomon's temple right so that's that's representative of your soul getting that new glorified body at the universal revelation of yasuo so those and those those um uh, the instruments in the tabernacle, those not not here. The ones of gold, those went over to the temple, uh, Solomon's temple, and that represents your soul getting that new and glorified body. Because remember, they talked about Solomon's temple being more glorious than any other um, edifice that was ever built, even to this day. How beautiful it was! So that's representative of that that immortal body that you're going to inherit at the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions, comments, corrections? Felicia? Yes, Dr. Samuel? I have a comment. Mm -hmm. And seeing all, all that you went through today and, and all that we go through all the time as far as the pattern and uh, lining up with our bodies, the universe and all that. And I was just thinking about the ever presence of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. I was, I can, I can see that, not totality in part, that mm -hmm. that's one of the things that the founder talked about in some of his lectures about he 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 wants us to know the ever presence of Yahweh. Right. And these are the things that are leading us to see the ever presence of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And that's all I want to say. Absolutely. No, that's that's very timely, Dr. Samuel. I just listened to him for those that I'm trying to find it. It's on Spotify, but the Oceanside played the uh, Dick Davis tape to, um, in one of their classes. And I listened to it this morning and it really does just have you in tears because it's yeah. just what you were talking about, Dr. Samuel, mm -hmm. how Yahweh just, uh, and it's like a parent, a parent, even, you know, you have people on this call, kids are in their 40s. But a parent always wants their children to know they're there for them. Right. They always want them to know that I'm there for you. Whatever it is, I may not be able to help you out, but I'm here if you need to talk. And that's Yahweh. That's what Dr. Um, that's what he was saying on that tape. Dr. Davis was saying on that tape, just talk to him. That's what a true parent wants. Talk to him. Wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Yash. That's right. You know, that's all he wants for us to give him the honor that only he deserves when you think about it nobody else deserves the honor that Yahweh does so no that was very timely Dr. Samuel I appreciate that and um, I'm gonna turn it back over to the moderator thank you thank you Dr. Hamilton for that edifying lecture next we will be calling on our next speaker uh Dr. Gary Myers from the Gates class. Dr. Myers. Hello. Um, I have something and my, I'll try to fit it in in 30 minutes. 
Uh, Felicia, are you still there? Dr. Yes, I am, sir. Can you um, put up on the screen and Google the brain brain's garbage truck? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Don't put it on the screen. Okay. Kind of. I mean, it's talking about the brain. Uh-huh. That's the skull. Uh-huh. But um, ties in a little bit. Okay. You said, what, what should I put in? Brains. Brains garbage truck. Brains garbage. Yeah, I know. Sounds a little unusual. But, yeah, it does. Garbage um, truck. Okay, so once I bring it up, and I'll actually. Okay, so let me share the screen, and you tell me which search comes up, which one you want. It's a new, okay. um, fairly new system. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, this okay. one, neuroscience. This yeah, I was hoping you were doing it on Google. I don't oh, think. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, track, but is this one it? You want to share? Let me see just a sec. Okay. That's the same one or not. Um, yeah, you can do the... I don't know if you could you do it again on Google then I know exactly which one yeah let me um just, just put in google.com yeah but I have a um extension on oh, well, oh. on Google Dr. Uh, Meyer I'm seeing pretty much the same thing she sees uh mm -hmm. yeah it's really mm -hmm. you know the name of the article I can see if I can find it yeah, who, which, which exactly, which publication were you looking for, Dr. Meyer? Because there's a ton of them here. Is this it? Blows yeah, why don't, you, why don't you go with that one? This one? Okay. Yeah. Um, the, what I was going to try to do is show you that this is a, um, there's, this was a discovery at the U of R in Rochester, New York. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And uh, it happened in 2013. And uh, the only reason I knew about it was because of um, my living girlfriend is works there and she got an email and she shared it with me. Okay. And um, I wanted to um, have the article read that was more, wasn't too technical so that we could understand it a little better. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted to show you that it did get into the government um, library of medicine as well to show mm -hmm. the validity of it. Okay. It's a um, system that's part of the I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. The Equidon system. Uh, uh, it's okay. It's part of one of the the nine systems. Um, mm -hmm. Turns out. Okay. Let's see if we can read some of this. So this is from uh, the University of Rochester Medical Center and blows to the head damaged brains garbage truck accelerate dementia. A new study out today in the Journal of Neuroscience shows that traumatic, traumatic brain injury can disrupt the function of the brain's waste removal system. When this occurs, toxic proteins may accumulate in the brain. 
setting the stage for the onset of neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and chronic traumatic encephalopathy. We know that traumatic, excuse me, traumatic brain injury early in life is a risk factor for the early development of dementia in the decades that follow. Let's get that. This study shows that these injuries set into motion a cascading series of events that impair the brain's ability to clear waste, allowing proteins like Tayu to spread throughout the brain and eventually reach toxic levels. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, this system is, um, it consists of the, um, the purest water in our body. Anybody know what that is? Cerebral uh -huh. spinal fluid. That's right. It's the spinal fluid. Now, um, if you question how everything isn't made by a pattern, recognize that. The same amount of water that's in the earth is in the physical body, between 60 and 70%. 3% of the earth's water is fresh, only 3%. Mm. I'm gonna to try to show you the importance of water and fresh water and pure water. Mm -hmm. Only a tiny portion of the human water, body water is clear and it's called the uh, spinal fluid or cerebral spinal fluid. Now we know water is central for life, right? Uh, we they're out there looking for planets and have water, isn't that right? <laughs> um, we always do right. it for transporting. Uh, we need it for drinking. We need it for growing. Um, so fresh water, but fresh water is so limited, it has to be utilized very wisely. You know, some people talk about it's hard to live in New York State. It's hard to, uh, the weather's so bad. But you know what? We have the Great Lakes up here. And I don't know if I want to move away from those Great Lakes. <laughs> right, right, right. You know you're going to have all the water you need um, when you're near such a big body of water. Mm -hmm. um, and it, so, you know, you know it's important. Mm -hmm. um, what I want you to get is Revelations 22 and 1, please. Because... Mm -hmm. um, when we're talking about the brain, we're talking about the most holy place. The holy pla most holy place is a type of heaven. So um, this is going to um, mention water in this uh, scripture. I okay. Um, just for one sec, Dr. McDaniel, go ahead and bring that article up because you know you sent it to my phone, but I'm on my laptop. So go ahead and go ahead and share your screen. Allow the sharing so we can bring it up and all see it. I'm gonna stop sharing actually. Maybe that's why you can't do it. Okay, so I stopped sharing. You go ahead, Dr. McDaniel. He thinks okay, he I'm found fine. the article you were looking for, Dr. Meyer. And uh, someone reading that scripture? Yeah, Revelations 22 and 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of Elohim and of the Lamb. Okay, now doesn't that sound like that spinal fluid? Mm -hmm. our, right up in our brain, right? Pure river of water, clear as crystal. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, the throne of Yahweh, 
is in the kingdom. <clears throat> and Revelation is talking about the kingdom of Yahweh. So it, is, it says that this kingdom provides pure running water. This is our refreshing. Um, there's always a time in my mind. Let's get um, Ezekiel 36, 24, please. Because this is really about being washed. And um, it talked about dementia there, I, I believe, in that article. And um, the reason is, is because if this system, and, you know, I'll get, <laughs> I don't have it memorized, I'll get the name of the system. Um, but this system helps clean the waste products in our brain. And we know that there's waste products in every single cell of our body. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know how these waste products or these wastes were being cleaned out of our brain until 2013 when they um, discovered it. Mm -hmm. So it's quite new. And um, somehow just uh, placed back in there and reused. But um, there's actually a system that cleans it out. The lymphatic system? Yeah. Yeah. You said Ezekiel 36 and 24? Yes. Uh, Ezekiel 26 and, there it is. excuse me, 36 and 24. Mm -hmm. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Very good. So um, we know that we have to be sprinkled with this living water, which is the gospel. That's what will clean us up. Um, you had something there to read there? Yes. Yeah, so here is what we were just talking, referencing. Okay. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. The removal of waste is an essential biological function, and the lymphatic system, a circulatory network of organs and vessels, performs this task in most of the body. However, the lymphatic system does not extend to the brain, and consequently, researchers have never fully understood what the brain does with its own waste. Some scientists have even speculated that these byproducts of cellular function were somehow being recycled by the brain's cells. That's right. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Okay. Now, that's the lymphatic system that circulates throughout the body. But this is a new system, which you'll read next. Go ahead and read the mm -hmm. next. One of the reasons why the lymphatic system had long eluded comprehension is that it could not be detected in samples of brain tissue. The key to discovering and understanding the system was the advent of a new imaging technology called two-photon microscopy, which enables scientists to peer deep within the living brain. Using this technology on mice, whose brains are remarkably similar to humans, Nindrograd and her colleagues were able to observe and document what amounts to an extensive and heretofore unknown plumbing system responsible for flushing waste from throughout the brain. So um, mm -hmm. we have to be cleansed. We, that has right. to be, uh, so it has to be flushed out. What, this, the, 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 the theories, concepts, and, and opinions that we 
come into class with, right? Mm -hmm. So this is all lining up with what happens with us spiritually. So, um, so I thought it, you know, I just found it very interesting when we, uh, when I, when I first seen this. And this is, you know, like you said, this was discovered in 2013, but they're still um, learning about it and finding out the benefits of it, mm -hmm. even now. Um, so it's not a fly-by-night thing. That's pretty. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, I was hoping you could find a, um, a, a image. Yeah, I'll go to you can look up, just look up glymphatic system. And there's a particular image that I thought was very interesting on how this works, because it actually um, rides right along the artery that goes in the brain and the vein that comes back out of the brain. Now we know that the artery brings in the clean blood and the vein takes away the, um, the waste or the carbon dioxide. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So this system works right along these tubes. Then there's a cross section, which you know I could bring it up. Yeah, let me know if any of these are because I have I still have oh I said I don't know it might gross people out but I would love to see that. But. Yes, right up there. This one. Um, or this one. Well, that, but there's a clearer one, a little bit above. Yeah, right there, I think. Yes. Okay. I don't know how big that'll get, but see how um, you got the artery on the left mm -hmm. and and the vein on the right, and there's glymphatic. It's written right in the yep. middle. See it right here. Yeah. So it's like a tube within the tube. The inside mm -hmm. tube has the blood that flows through, coming in, and then the blood flowing going out. And then the glymphatic system is that um, tube on the outside that carries the clear, um, uh, the clear spinal fluid in and then takes the waste back out. Okay. Right. So um, okay. that's, that's the mechanics of it right there. Okay. Um, I want to get, no, go back. I'm sorry. Oh. Right. There was something there I thought was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you see that astrocyte right mm -hmm, there? Right here. Mm -hmm. okay, now, we've all heard about astrocytes, have we not? Right, right. What does astrocyte mean? And star, right? Means star. Mm -hmm. So we have stars in our brain. Right. And they represent the angels, or they, because there's angels um, painted in the most holy place of the tabernacle, is that right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Um, okay, so I got something on that. I um, got caught off guard on this. So, um, so the astrocytes are a key player in the glymphatic system, assisting, they assist with the flow of the fluid. What do angels do? What are they? They are ministering, ministering spirits, mm -hmm. right? Ministering spirits that assist. Mm -hmm. Astrocytes are star-shaped cells in the brain that shows forth the stars in heaven or the angelic creation. Angels are ministering spirits to deliver the messages and fight off evil, right? That's what Michael and Angel represents. The one's a fighter and the other one's a messenger. Right. And um, we don't know how much they're helping us, do we? Mm -hmm. We don't even know how much they're helping us. 
but we um, it's good to keep in mind that um, that they are and they're with us all the time. Now uh, I don't know if you can find anywhere in that art in any of the articles um, something called the just just Google it or not Google search it there mm -hmm. search search dirty brain disease. Has anybody heard what a dirty brain disease is? I have not. It's really been brought up. Um, we've read it a little bit, but we didn't know that's what it was called. Mm -hmm. What do you what, what comes up when you oh, wait a minute? I'm on images. I want to come up on all oh, okay. Cleaning the brain. That's that cleaning the dirty brain. So it doesn't have anything in particular. Um, yeah. Digestive uh, intelligence. Who's ever heard of that one? <laughs> digestive intelligence. Okay, that's all right. What, okay. what, what the article that I was reading, and maybe if you go back to the one that was brought up, it talks mm -hmm. about dirty brain disease on here. Mm -hmm. um, the, the last paragraph, Felicia. That's, that's the only place I see dirty brain disease. Okay. Okay. Right here. Um, no, let's go up one because that's what I was reading about. Uh, this is looks like the actual article. Well, uh, yeah, start with one of the hallmarks. Okay. One of the hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease is the accumulation in the brain of the protein beta amyloid. In fact, over time, these proteins amass with such density that they can be observed as plaque on scans of the brain. Understanding what role the glymphatic system plays in the brain's inability to break down and remove beta amyloid could point the way to new treatments, specifically whether certain key players in the glymphatic system, such as astrocytes, can be manipulated to ramp up the removal of waste. Okay, so you're putting that together? Yeah. Um, first of all, recognize that uh, lymphatic. Oh, I have to get back to that. Um, there's a reason why they call it glim, lymphatic. Uh, um, it's it's it has to do with the name of the. Uh, one of the cells. I'm sorry about the train of thought here. I'm getting all over the place. I uh, can't find it right now. Okay, so um, go back to that that paragraph. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's talking about um, how this has to do with uh, helping to to keep the brain clean so you do not get Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And um, because one of the causes of Alzheimer's is the buildup of this protein and this protein needs to be cleaned out. Mm -hmm. um, so, so go ahead and read the next one. Okay. The idea that dirty brain diseases like Alzheimer's may result from a slowing down of the glomatic system as we age is completely new, is a is a completely new way to think about neurological disorders, said Nerdegard. It also presents us with a new set of targets to potentially increase the efficiency 
of glymphatic clearance and ultimately change the course of these conditions. So um, again, going back to the last paragraph, it talks about how the astrocytes helps to remove these things. And um, though they are considered key players. Mm -hmm. And uh, so think about it for a minute, how that when that wave of doctrine came into the school, how soon did they forget about the importance of the gospel and the, um, the basics of how the blood water, the importance of blood water spirit, the importance of death, burial, resurrection, the importance of understanding the, uh, the pattern and the name, how soon they forgot. It's a type of spiritual um, Alzheimer's, you see? And why? Because they were not being washed. There was a lack of glymphatic, spiritual glymphatic system with them, see? They were not being washed. And it was all in a purpose, of course. But um, that's why we continue to sprinkle this gospel to um, clean up these waste products that uh, has been um, <clears throat> accumulating from false doctrine and lies. Um, we were talking before class about <clears throat> the Russian citizens who have been lied to since this war has been started. And it's, that's kind of interesting too, that we know that there was a war in heaven. That's why there's wars here. And the war, wars are basically a representation of the wars in our own most holy place. When we came to class, there was a war that had to be, be brought up and started with warring against what we always believed against the truth. And um, if you've been lied to, it's like lying that there's any war at all in your own most holy place, see? That there is no war there. Yes, there was a war there. And there had to be a fight. And there had to be a cleaning out, see? So um, I think that that all goes together. And the astrocytes, I think, are a good example of how um, there is fighting going on spiritually. There's fighting going on um, physically. There's, and, there, and it's actually going on biologically in our own head that taking away of those wastes, it's like, constantly ministering to us in that way. Um, let me see if I can bring up some more um, principles on that. Because uh, you can't overemphasize the importance of some of these uh, um, Principles. Can you get uh, First Timothy two and five, please? 
because this is talking about a mediator. And the reason why a mediator is important to understand with this is that first of all, we we don't know how much our true mediator is is is, is um, working helping us and um, constantly uh, mediating between us and, and, and the father. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the same way, we have this lymphatic system working in our brains. We have no idea. We have no idea it's up there and it's working. See. First Timothy two and five. Yes. Uh, First Timothy two and five. For there is one Yahweh and one mediator between Yahweh and men, the man, Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you. Now, um, can you get First Corinthians fifteen and one? So there's only one mediator, and this is an invisible mediator, right? We read it earlier. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. Why? Because he's spirit and he is invisible and we only know he he exists because of the witnesses that he's given us and that's how we believe mm-hmm. and you know when felicia did such an excellent job going through that pamphlet and just correlating back and forth how can you possibly um go against this how can you say anything against this <clears throat> Um, he's so you know I, I grew up in a Catholic church where there was mediators all over the place you know you had your priests you had your bishops you had and then the pope and then you prayed to um, apostles or you prayed to saints and you prayed to Mary and all these different mediators there's only one only one and we would read it in church, but um, just go right over our head. It, it, it really is confusion. It really is confusion. It's like that church that was talked about earlier. How it, 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 it's all made to confuse you. It, a, a church means assembly. No, it doesn't mean what it's written in the dictionary. Actually, it means assembly. It's not a physical building but the devil just knows how to confuse all right um did you get that please yes first corinthians 15 and 1 moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So there's that word, there memory, is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In which we keep in memory what was preached mm-hmm. unto us. Keep it in memory. Mm-hmm. And boy, I, you know, I think I've heard elders talk about how, how difficult it is when you get into your last days. And, and they, they just try to keep Yahshua in their memory as much as they possibly can because they know that's the only thing that's really, really important. But many have falls away because of the lack of washing and a lack of refreshing. Where, where do we read that? Why don't we get that too? And then I'll quit. Um, yeah, we got five minutes. That, that would be... Um, 
Uh, line, line, line upon line. I'm sorry. Right, right. <laughs> but um, yes, we keep this in memory. How it is that the gospel still saves us. Right. Uh, that is. Well, I'll just read the whole thing if you don't mind. Yeah, you can start it. Yeah, you can start. Yeah, eight, nine, whatever. Right. Isaiah 28, nine. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of Yahweh was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So this, this is the refreshing when we hear line upon line, precept upon precept. When we come together, and hear what Yahshua has to say through the speakers. This is our refreshing. Doesn't um, Paul talk about, this is a long race, okay? Now, when you think of a long race, wouldn't that runner, isn't that the only thing he thinks about is I, is to get refreshed. And sometimes they'll have water um, lined up along the, the, the long marathons, the, the 20 mile, what are they called? The, the marathons marathons <laughs> mm -hmm. um the 5ks and the 10ks and all that and you know to help them get through it's a refreshing uh so just think that our you know our brain is constantly being refreshed and it's constantly getting washed and um that is how yashua um, deals with us too. He is constantly washing us, constantly refreshing us, and that's how we're going to get through to the end. Because boy, oh boy, we don't know what's coming. We, but um, it's it's looking more grim all the time. But when we have Yahshua, we know we will get through, and we don't know how we will, but we just got to have confidence that we will get through it, and to stay firm. And uh, I thank you for the time and um, for your um, attention and all praises to Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Myers, for that. That brings the end to this session of the Southfield Branch class. Do we have any announcements? Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just wanted to remind everyone the Southfield branch will be holding in-person classes this Sunday. That will be March 13th. Class will start at the, um, what is it called? I don't have it right in front of me. The Beachwood, the Beach uh, Community Center. And I sent down an email to all those uh, uh, members and others who typically usually uh, keep in touch with visiting class when we have the in-house. In
and so forth. So I sent that out this morning with the address, but it's the same location that we've had whenever we've had our in-person classes. And so class on Sunday will start at 11 o'clock a.m. from 11 to 1. And um, again, it is in the Southfield, Michigan um, Beach Community Center on Beach Street, I think it is. And the address did go out in the e email this morning. And if anyone uh, have any questions about it, they can reach out to me. Thank you. Is, is there a capacity limit? And what about masks? Uh, masks are definitely um, recommended for everyone inside the classroom. Okay, we still would prefer that people were to wear their masks inside the classroom. Uh, right now, we have not had a capacity problem in the recent, in the previous classes that we've held, and so uh, everyone is welcome. And yes, excuse me, we are requiring that masks be worn in the lecture hall. Mandatory. Thank you. Correct. It's mandatory for the building. Okay. Thank you. Once again, I would like to thank our visiting brethren and our return visitings for coming out and studying with us today. May we all please uh, rise in our, I mean, stand in our hearts and minds for doxology, doxology, which will be taken from Jude 124. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.